And you're on the side of the road right Girl, now. Girl, we're right? on the side of the freeway where and people are not, just driving by. People are just driving by. There was one truck that pulled over, but they never got out. And so I could have been that one truck, right? And we could have stayed there or we could have drove past and not done anything. And this kid would have been by himself. And then that would have been left on our conscience on what happened to yeah. him. Or I could do what I'm trying to do. I can actually help this guy. Hey girl, imagine a life where you feel supported, connected, and understood. I get it. Being a mom is hard, especially when you're spinning so many plates. We exhaust ourselves trying to create the perfect life for our family. You deserve to enjoy your family without the stress perfectionism brings. On this podcast, I provide practical and relatable life experiences. I teach women quick and easy to use strategies to help them reclaim their identity, reignite their marriage, and enjoy their children. If you're ready to be challenged, then pull up a chair, grab a pen and paper, because it's about to go down. I'm Veronica Cisneros, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and this is the Empowered and Unapologetic Podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Empowered and Unapologetic Podcast. I am Melissa Vogel, your host today. I may sound a little different because I am not Veronica, (laughs) who is your typical host. I can't wait to do this takeover today because we are talking about a really serious topic. It's not a fun topic. It's not something that anyone wants to discuss or bring up. It's under-discussed for sure, and that's all about suicide. And Veronica had just a crazy day the other day, and I was like, Veronica, we need to podcast this. Not to just be the podcasting dorks that we are, but to document it to help other people and bring awareness. So, Veronica, thank you so much for doing this with me. She's sitting across from me, you guys, and this is super weird because usually when we podcast, it's through Zoom or we're not with our guests. No, no, we're not. So, thank you for letting me do this. Yeah, no, of course. I was... I knew I wanted to record a podcast episode, but I wasn't sure exactly how I was going to go about doing it. And when I had sent you the text message the day after, well, it was actually that night, right? But yeah. I, I was still a little bit speechless and still kind of processing it because I do what I do, but not in front of my kids. And so, yeah, when you said, you know, Veronica, I'm going to go to your office. We're going to go to record this. I was all about it. I was all about it. And you're right. This is going to definitely help so many people. It is. And I... I, I asked too, in a sense of like, God, what, and, and everyone's probably like, what the hell happened? Yeah, for real. We're going to dive into it. But I know that there's probably like a process for you in your brain. And the first thing that came to my mind was like, oh my God, are you okay? Is she okay? Yeah. Like yeah. this was a lot. Yeah. And I know that talking, obviously, through therapy and everything, that's healing. Yeah, of course. That's like validation. Like this happened to you. Talk about it, no matter what the situation is. So... This is for you too. <laughs> no, hundred percent, hundred percent. And we're we're complete, you know, dorks and friends and stuff. And but we're going to get kind of serious about this yeah. topic because you guys had quite the experience happen to you the other night. Like you were literally in the right moment at the right time. No, no doubt, no, no joke. Like for us. Okay, lay it out for us. What were you and the family doing before? 
this crazy situation that was falling into your lap, I think by God, like yeah, literally hundred percent. So I think this, that's what makes it like, you know, when people say divine intervention, Yeah. like I've heard of that. I've never really used that, um, that I, I've never said it. I've never used that statement, but literally divine intervention, like next level definition of divine intervention. So Willie, the girls and I, we had went to a Christian concert. Right. And so, yeah. I, oh my God. hundred percent. Like, we went to a Christian concert. That's crazy. Yeah. So we're there at the Christian concert, having a good time, like feeling the spirit all about it. And, um, one of my, one of my colleagues, so she works here. Natasha, um, was actually performing. So she was performing. And so we went, you know, I'm watching her perform. It was awesome. And I can't even think of the damn name of the musical group. And it's a really popular one. I'm so my kids are going to like kick me, but it'll come to me. So we're there we're watching it and we weren't in a hurry to leave. And usually we are. We're like, okay, yeah. it, it was like late. It was like 10 30, 11 30 at night. It was crazy late. Right. And we just decided to kind of walk around. We sat down and waited for everybody to leave. Everybody, you know, not everybody, but a good amount of people left. We started making our way towards the car. The girls and I, we were all hungry. And usually Willie will like pull over and get us something to eat. But he ended up just going on the freeway, right? So we're on the freeway. And then we're driving. Don't ask me about freeway because I don't even know. I have Somewhere in California. Somewhere in California, right? Well, we're coming back from Irvine. And so we're coming back from Irvine. We're on that toll road and we're driving on the freeway. And all of a sudden I look to my right and there's a man literally on the overpass. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. What? Like he's walking on the overpass on the ledge as if he's walking on a tightrope. And I'm like, holy holy shit. Like I, and I yelled at, I was like, Willie, pull over, pull over. And so he immediately, like, we're both looking at this and we're still kind of processing it because it's like, holy shit, this man's about to commit suicide. And so Willie pulls over immediately and the kids, the kids are in, I had all three of the girls with me. Hello, we just attended Music City, Music City concert, right? I believe that's starting. I'm probably messing it up. And so, yeah, and like the girls are crying. The girls are freaking out. And I was like, I'm going to get out of the car. And the girls are like, no, mom. And Brooklyn just starts crying. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Like crying, crying. No, mom, don't get out. Don't get out. Don't get out. And like, they're crying. And Leah starts getting teary-eyed. Aubrey's oh, And then Willie, I was like, Willie, call 911. Immediately rolled down my window. And I told him, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do this. And then he's like, yeah, I do. And I was like, you don't want to do this. I was like, I have kids in the car. I have my kids. Are, my kids are right here. Because I knew if I used my kids... Uh-huh. Something would snap yep. in him. I knew it. And so sure enough, he kind of looks at me and just stops. He's walking. He originally was walking the tightrope, right? Walking that ledge. And then the minute I said, you don't want to do this, he grabs a light pole, right? And he swings his body around. I mean, there's not a lot of room on that no. ledge. And he doesn't swing his body around towards the freeway safe side. He swung his body towards the drop side, like full drop. And so, you know, I tell, that's when I tell him I have kids in the car and then he gets back on the ledge, holds on and he just kind of freezes. Right. And that's when I knew, okay, I'm fine. I can walk. He's listening. He's responsive. Right. So I'm walking toward, I get out of the car, roll up the window and, um, Willie's on the phone with 911 mm-hmm. and I just start talking him down. 
you know, and I was like, what do you say? I'm like, what, what do you yeah, say? Yeah. So I was like, Hey, my name's Veronica. What's yours? Mm-hmm. And he told me his name. Obviously I'm not going to give his name. Um, and you told me his name and I was like, Hey, the craziest thing. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I can help you. I can help you. Mm-hmm. And he just looked at me and he's like, no. And I was like, so tell me, where are you coming from? Right? And I noticed his truck and there was headlight on, headlight missing. And he's like, oh, I was just coming back from fishing. I was like, all right. Did you catch anything? So I just started making small talk. I'm trying to build up that rapport with him really quickly. You know, me and the kids go fishing. My husband goes fishing. Girl, I haven't gone fishing in a long time. Right. But I'm like, me and the kids go fishing. I didn't even know there was a place to go fishing around here. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, yeah. And then he just starts telling me about fishing. Right? And I was like, you know what? Why don't you come down from there so you and I could just talk? And he's like, all right. And then I go, we just came back from, so you just came back from fishing. I just came back from a Christian concert, you know, trying to figure out if he's into God, if he's not. I'm trying to figure out what is my angle with him, right? And he's like, really, a Christian concert? And I was like, yeah. And um, I was like, well, what's your favorite music? And then he told me his favorite music. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I've never heard of that band. Tell me more. You know, what is it about that music that's just, it just brings you to life? Like, what is it? And he just started explaining. And I'm like, dude, you know, I totally felt like, I feel that same way about reggaeton. I love reggaeton. It just puts me in a mood and I just start dancing. And he kind of giggles, right? And he's still up on the ledge at this point. He had come down. So I had told him, why don't you come down? He came down. He came down. So he starts talking to me, but he's still against the wall. Yeah. He's still against the wall. And so I'm a pretty good safe distance away from him. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, who do you work for? And I was like, well, I actually own my own practice, you know? I, and he's like, who do you work for? And he became stern. Mm. And I was like, well, it's called Outside the Norm Counseling. I own a group private practice. And he goes, no, 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 no. Who do you work for? Oh, God. And I was like, ah, shit. Wait a minute. Is this kid psychotic? Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, well, what do you think I work for? And he's like, well, you're with them. You're with them. And I was like, I, I'm not sure who them is. Can you please explain it to me? And he's like, I've been dog watched. People are watching me everywhere I go. Everywhere I go. And he goes, you see my headlight right there? And he goes, they took it from me. So I wouldn't be able to leave when I was fishing. And he's like, I don't know it was my family. And he's like, but they're always watching. And so one thing when you're working with somebody who is psychotic, Mm -hmm. you can't, you can't argue with them and tell them, no, dude, come on, you're delusional. Like that's not really happening. You know, this is psychosis, but you can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so he's afraid and I pose a threat. So I have to be mindful of the threat that I, who I'm positioned as in his eyes and how it might trigger him. Right. And so... You know, I start, you know, we just start having a conversation. I was like, yeah, I can imagine them still in your headlight. How scary that must be. You must be so afraid. And he's like, I am. And I was like, well, tell me about your family. You mentioned their dog watching you. Tell me about your family. And here I'm trying to look for somebody 
that is in his support system, somebody that's in his corner. Because if I can find that, then now I have a reason for him to live, right? So what is that why? Mm -hmm. And so I'm going through that in my head. You know, I was like, tell me more about your family. The first thing he says is, my mom's kicking me out. The minute I go home, I'm not going to have a place to live. So I was like, okay, well, that shit's out. You know, strike out. And then I was like, well, who else in your family is your support system? And he tells me I'm a twin. I was adopted. And they don't want me anymore. And I was like, okay, well, shit. Well, that's checked out, too. So, you know, talking to him. And then he starts talking about his girlfriend. So this kid is just opening up. And I call him a kid because he had to have been in his early 20s. I was going to say, how right? Because when you initially told me, I was thinking like, oh, middle-aged man. No. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So I'm, you know, asking about like, you know, yeah. we're just having a conversation, you know, and I'm sharing things with him too. I have three girls in the car. My, you know, my oldest, she's 19. I'm, I'm, we're just having a conversation. But again, I'm trying to build up that relationship with him really, really quickly. And the reason why I'm trying to build up that relationship with him is because he needs to trust me. Right. And if he doesn't trust me, he's jumping. And so, or he's attacking me. What is something's happening? Yeah. Right. And so he starts telling me about his girlfriend and it's like, ugh. He's trying to get a hold of his girlfriend. She's not She's not picking up. He just got out of jail the day before for oh, anger. So it's like, okay, so I'm paying attention and I'm mindful of all of these things. Mm-hmm. Homeboy has anger issues. Mm-hmm. So if I trigger him, what might he do to me? Yeah. Right? He, he He's not well. So is this drug-induced psychosis? What is this? Mm-hmm. And I obviously, we're, we're here in the middle of nowhere. I, I just met this guy. I can't do a full diagnosis. You know, I can't give him a diagnosis. Right. But I can kind of get an idea of who he is and what he's struggling with and what diagnoses he might be having, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to do a full-on assessment, trying to figure out what is his support system. His girlfriend just broke up with him. His mom is about to kick him out. His family... They're not talking, you know. And then in addition to that, he was just in jail yesterday, right? And you're on the side of the road right Girl, now, right? we're on the side of the freeway. Where and it people is are not, just driving by? People are just driving by. There was one truck that pulled over, but they never got out. They never got out. And so I could have been that one truck, right? And we could have stayed there. And then my kids would have watched a suicide, right? Or we could have drove past and not done anything. And this kid would have been by himself. And then that would have been left on our conscious on what happened to him. Or I could do what I'm trained to do. I can actually help this guy. So we're just having a conversation. And again, he starts going into how everybody's after him. Mm -hmm. He's not able to, he's not able to have the conversation. He's scattered. I won't go into clinical terms because you guys won't understand it. And there's no need to, but he's scattered. He's not, he's not staying on topic. And those are all clear signs that he's not well, right? And so I'm trying to hold on to the little bits and pieces that I do have, the little bit of attention I do have. We started talking about his dog. And he started telling me his name and how his dog brings him comfort. And then I believe I heard him say that his dog was no longer here. And it was just like, shit. Another thing. Bullshit. Mind you, we're already 15 minutes. There's no cops. Nobody. Nobody, nobody, nobody. You've been out there for girl, 15 minutes. Girl, It was long. And I'm talking to him. I'm having conversations with him. You know, and again, we're 
We're trying to just, you know, I'm coming up with things to tell him that might make him laugh. He's opening up to me, but he is still very, very intimidated by me. Mm -hmm. Because again, I'm one of the people that are dog watching him, right? So that paranoia is through the roof. That psychosis is right there. I mean, where he was going with the things he was telling me, Mm -hmm. it was just, it was not the norm. It was not the norm. So I'm trying to maintain my cool, obviously. Trying to maintain my cool. Trying not to pose as a threat. I'm not crossing my hands. I'm very mindful of my my facial expressions. I'm very mindful of what I'm looking at. Because if I break eye contact and I start looking at somebody else, that's going to only get him more and more paranoid. Willie finally comes out of the car, right? He comes out of the car. And the only reason why he came out of the car, he said, was because he just wanted the guy to know that there was a man there. Yeah. Not to get any crazy ideas. You know, and that kind of did work in our favor, but in so many ways, it could have worked against us, right? He could immediately see Willie ran across. And so I'm maintaining eye contact with him the entire time. And then as I noticed Willie was coming out of the vehicle, I had mentioned to him, hey, my husband's coming out. Are you okay with that? How are we? And he's like, oh, is your husband? I was like, yes, you know, and I... His name's Willie. Just started going ahead and giving him as much information so he knew automatically that, okay, this is somebody that's familiar with her. Right. And if she thinks he's safe, I can be he's safe. He's not one of the people. He's not one of the people. Yeah. I mean, he's still thinking I'm the people, right. right? He's still thinking I'm the people, but he's also still gauging where I'm at. So, yeah. I mean, it was just so intense. So intense. And I knew this was... I I don't think I was thinking this when it was happening, but there was some, like, my kids were there. Right. I better do a fucking really good job right now. Right. Not to perform for my kids, but so my kids don't witness something so traumatic. I had to be on my A game. A hundred percent had to be on my A game. Mm -hmm. I couldn't fuck up. I could not fuck up. I had to build up that rapport with this kid really, really quickly. I had to make sure that he wasn't going to jump. And, I mean, you only have control over so much. Right. You know, I, I can't play God. But I knew there were a couple things in that conversation that was keeping him from jumping. Mm-hmm. So what ended up happening was cops finally came. So the first to come were um, the ambulance, right? The ambulance came. And they kind of were standoffish, right? The man, one of the guys, um, they came first, they came first. Yes. One thing I forgot to mention is as I'm talking to him, he tells me I have a 60, 40 chance of surviving this job. And if what'd he do, do the math on it? Girl, look I it don't up? Even know. I'm not sure as well. He was on tight roping on the ledge. Yeah. He just, he just told, I didn't even ask. He just told me I have a 60, 40 chance of surviving this job. Mm-hmm. Maybe I might end up with broken limbs. But if this doesn't work, I'm going home and I'm shooting myself. Oh, my God. So. He was serious. He had full intent. Yeah. He had full intent. You know, and the fact that he had a gun in his house, that's that's something we're looking for. When we're doing a suicidal assessment, we're looking for, does this person have the intent? Mm-hmm. Do they have the plan? And do they have a means? Yeah. The minute you check all three Oh, yeah, you're 5150, right? You're definitely 5150. We're going to hospitalize you. We have to hospitalize you because now you pose a threat to yourself and possibly others. Mm -hmm. In his case, definitely others. 
And the reason why I said earlier, I wasn't sure if it was drug-induced is because you don't know what this is. Right. And you have to make sure you think of every single possibility. You don't want, you, you want to make sure it's there in the back of your mind just so you don't get too comfortable with this conversation. Mm-hmm. Because once you become complacent, you are now in danger. Yeah. He then also mentioned to me that he has done crystal. And so it was like, okay, yeah, crystal could be a part of why he thinks everybody's against him. So this could be drug, drug induced, or this could be early onset schizophrenia. We don't, we don't, I don't know what it is. Right. You know, he's not, he's not a patient of mine, right? So ET, um, the EMT comes, you know, and they immediately go up to him and ask him, are you going to kill yourself? And it's like, dude, are are you, are you for real? Are you? No, 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 no. Yeah. Oh, my God. Don't get me wrong. The first people there to help, and they're just like, are you going to kill yourself? Well, so a couple of things. You know, obviously, as a clinician, we have intense training right. with regards to suicide. And I am. I want to make sure. My husband's obviously, you know, um, a Marine, right? And I have a lot of family that are first responders. I have a whole hell of a lot of clients that are first responders. Yeah. I have a great level of respect. I mean, you, know, you know I have a great level of respect for my first responders. However, one thing I want to make sure I say is, although they are trained, they're not trained at the level of a therapist. And a, shit, I get it. Right. Why would they be, right? I mean, I say that because why would they be as trained as I am, considering they have so many other things that they also have to be trained you know, in they have so many other things that they have to specialize in. And so I can understand that they're not going to have 10 years right. or however many years of training, you know, intensive training on this particular topic. I get that. I totally get that. Just like I don't have, you know, experience in their fields. There's no way I could do that. Right. However, it was just that immediately triggered him. Oh, God. It immediately triggered him because it was a man asking him. It wasn't the woman. And so the man posed a danger to him. Mm-hmm. So guess what? This kid did. He walked. So he was away from the wall after he and I were talking, right? I got him to get away from the wall. Mind you, he, he was struggling to get away from that damn wall because that wall to him rep- represented protection. Right. Right? I had worked my ass off to get him away from the wall. Now we're having a conversation across from each other. Safe proximity, right? We're just having an honest conversation. So here comes an EMT walking towards him, close to him. And then asks him that question. So guess where he went? He went back towards the wall. Oh. And then he started shutting down. He wasn't answering his questions. He wasn't answering his questions. And so here I am maintaining eye contact, having conversation. You know, we want to make sure you're safe. Mm-hmm. But I have to also be mindful of when I say we, he's not interpreting it as we're all part of the dog watching right. crew. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so... Listen, I want to make sure you're safe. We, right here, I, I asked them to come because I want them to check up on you. Immediately after I said that, three cop cars come rolling in. Two cop, two cops in each car. I thought it was ten. Willie told me. I could have swore there was at least ten cops. There was so many cops. So many cops. Willie says he counted six. Cops came. Guess what the cops do? Put on the gloves. Immediately surround him. Surround him. 
Mind you, they have no clue what they're coming into, right? right. They have no clue. You had a gun, a we knife. Have, exactly. I mean, so I get where they're going. Yeah. I get where they're going. So immediately I go to the lead and I tell him, I introduce myself. I tell him who I am. I tell him that I am, you know, a licensed therapist. He meets all criteria for 5150. He, I'm not sure if this is drug-induced psychosis, mm -hmm. but here are some of the symptoms he's displaying. Here's where he's at. This is what happened. I give him a very, very quick rundown. Mind you, I'm still trying to make sure that this kid doesn't think I'm in alliance with the enemy if he sees them as an enemy. So I'm trying to have a quick conversation with them, with the cops. Still trying to go ahead and maintain that rapport with, with this individual, right? And he starts to get closer and even closer. Now he's leaning against the wall. And so I go right... Um, not sure how smart this was. I wasn't close where he could have grabbed me. Maybe if he was fast enough. Right. But I ended up going right in front of the cops, right? And I was like, hey, we're safe. We're safe. Remember, my kids are in the car. My kids are in the car. That was the only thing that I knew was working in my favor to keep this man alive. My kids are in the car. Let's come back from the wall. Let's come back from the wall. And I'll move the cops. He's like, okay. So the cops started to go back. You know, they started talking to each other and they told them what was going on. And then two fire trucks come in, right? Oh my God. All men, of course, which is fine, right? right? But you, are, you don't know that you're posing a huge threat to somebody who's absolutely psychotic. And again, they have no idea what they're walking into. It's not like I briefed my husband on that 911 call. Right. So had a conversation with them. Nobody wanted to do anything. They were surrounding him. I was having conversations, quick briefing as many people as I was trying to brief. And mind you, we don't know their story. You know, we don't know why they were doing, they were probably following protocol. And again, in no way, shape or form am I trying to disrespect first right, responders. Right. They are out there doing shit that I would never do, ever do. It's interesting though, that you had the perspective of them before they show up and they don't know. And isn't that so true? Like what we see on media and stuff. Girl. We're always like, hey, 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 you don't know what's happening beforehand yeah. or, you know. Yeah, you don't know the whole story. Mm -hmm. And so once I did brief them, okay, now we have movement. Now we have movement. And so I'm having conversations with them, you know, again, having conversations, a brief conversation, yeah. brief summary of what's going on, what we're, what we're dealing with. And I already told them, I already did a full assessment. Yeah, he's definitely 5150. And so... I asked, can I leave right now? My kids are watching all of this, and I'm ready to go. And I had asked Willie. I was like, Willie, pull up. I don't want my kids to see this. You know, pull up. And so Willie starts to pull up, and then the cops were like, hold on, wait. And it was like, I need to leave. I, I need to leave now. And then the guy comes up to me, and he's like, the, the, the you know, the suicidal individual. Uh -huh. And he's like, hey, I never told you I wanted to commit suicide. And it was like... Okay. And he starts to become upset. I never told you I wanted to become suicide. And it was like, oh shit. This was after one of the cops had talked to him. He starts getting mad. Oh God. And I was like, listen, I get right now. You have no clue what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I can also understand why you might be angry. Right? I, I get that. I get it. And there's a lot of people around you right now. What can I do to keep you safe? What can I do to keep you safe? And he's like, well, and he's like, 
And then he goes off. And he goes off and starts talking about people dog-watching him. He goes off and starts talking about other things. Mm -hmm. And then I mentioned his dog's name. Tell me more. Tell me more about your dog. We just had a conversation. And we just started eye contact, having that conversation. I was like, remember, I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you. And I look at an officer, and I'm like, dude, somebody has to do something at this point. I've already talked to police officers. I've already talked to the EMTs. I've already talked to the fire department, the firemen. They're all there. There's a whole lot of people there, thankfully, for this individual so they don't jump. Right. But it was like, can I leave now? Can I I've done my job. I've done all of my job. This guy's now close to the truck, but he's close to the truck where my kids are at. It's time for me to go. Uh It's time for me to go. Uh Um, And so the guys were like, you know what? We have all the information. Um, Were they close enough to be able to, like, grab them? Yes. Handcuff them? I'm not going to say something that happened. And I'm not going to say something that happened because I don't want it to be interpreted incorrectly. Uh Um, I will say, though, as a clinician, as a woman, it is very important we set boundaries and we assert ourselves even when it comes to first responders. And there are times when you don't feel like you have, like there's, a, there's, there's that imposter syndrome. Like, what do I know about this, right? right. They're, they're on calls. They know more than I do. That did come up. But there was a point where it was like, listen, I am giving you instructions on what to do, and this better be carried out. I'm giving you full instructions on what to do, and so if this isn't carried out, this is far I'm going to go. Yeah. I am leaving now. You have my information. Goodbye. I got in the car. And the minute I got in the car, you know, my kids were like, Mom, you just saved that man's life. And it was like, I don't want to say I didn't. Oh, no, I'm going to say, I didn't even think about it that way, to be honest with you. I was doing my job. I was doing what I absolutely love to do, you know, and I I knew I could do it, you know, whether that's ignorance, whether that's stupidity, you know, maybe a little bit, you know, possibly. Am I in danger? Yeah, of course I'm in danger, you know, but I know exactly what to do. Right. You know, and I've been trained to do this and there's no way in hell I'm just passing by this individual and there's no way in hell I'm staying in my car. You know, I, I, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't advise like you to do that, right? Right. You know, because yeah, you, you wouldn't know if he's psychotic. You'd be like, "What the hell's going on with this guy? Is this like mm. some bad acid trip or what?" Right? You wouldn't know those things. You wouldn't even know what questions to ask him, or I wouldn't want you to ask him the wrong question and that be yeah, the trigger that, for him the to trigger. Tr- right? Exactly. I mean, even Willie, he came out, but he was far away, and I even I went like this with my hand. I like, no, you're not coming close because we can't pose anymore. We can't we can't intimidate him. Right. But yeah, we had to process it as a family. You know, Willie's like, girls, you got to see what mom does. Like, you you got to yeah. see that firsthand. You know, and we prayed. The girls were crying. Brookie was crying. And they were just, it turned, you know, initially before I got out of the car, they were like, oh my God, mom. And they were freaking out. Yeah. And it then changed to me getting in the car with the girls were like, oh my God. This was God. This was God bringing us here at this time. Right. They had a different perspective and we were able to process through it. I, tr- I shared with them that, yes, I was scared, you know, and you know, don't get me wrong. I've never done it on a bridge, you know, but right. I, I have done it in a hospital setting. You know, that's a little bit more of a controlled environment, you know, but we prayed and, 
you know, I had to process through it with Willie. I had to process through it. I even processed through it with the kids. You know, obviously, you know, kid appropriate, right? You know, conversation, but you know, I processed through it. You know, at home and just processing through it. What I mean by that is, you know, just having a conversation. Like, hell yeah, that did happen. Mm-hmm. Did you get in the car and just start crying, or I just took a really I mean, big you were deep on breath. this adrenaline yeah, rush girl. for so yeah. long to just pure. Just all senses heightened. Yeah. Everything on edge. And that yeah. drains you. I mean, you must have, I don't know, you either oh, slept just, really good that night or yeah, awful. Yeah, I, yeah, I like <laughs> totally crashed. I just, I remember getting in the car and just taking a really deep breath. Yeah. And like just exhaling like, whoa, whoa. Like, that just happened. Did you ask Willie what was happening in the car with him and the girls? Yeah. While you were like initially walking out there. And he like... was so pissed. So he's on the phone with 911. Nobody can find us. Mind you, we used OnStar. He used OnStar to call them. Nobody could find us. Oh my God. They were lost. They were lost. Nobody could find us. And so Willie was on the phone with two or three different dispatchers. Police officers, fire department, oh and OnStar. Nobody could find us. Yeah, so that's what was going on in the car. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't think to ask him, like, how are the girls? How are they doing? I didn't even ask him, like, yeah, I didn't just, I was curious him. if they were talking amongst themselves, if they were quiet, if they were, like, you know, I, because I'm, you know, mom of three girls, too, yeah, yeah. and I could only imagine what was going on, what would have been going on in my yeah. kids' heads, you know? But how amazing is it to actually see and witness divine intervention, like, mm-hmm. that moment of a man standing on a ledge, you're a, a therapist, and you're coming home from a Christian concert. Yeah. It was like Jesus and all of the angels were with you to give to him. Amen. Like, it chokes me up. Like, 100%. <laughs> I, that's why I had to pray. I was like, I there's no way I could take full credit for that. Like, not even a little bit. Like, at all. Like, it was him. Like, yeah. and I say that, and it was it was totally him. You know, he was guiding me through that conversation. Right. He was guiding me with building up that relationship with him. He was guiding me with making, making sure that, you know, he was safe. I was safe, you know. And it was that entire, entire incident that he was there with me mm-hmm. for, you know. And that's why the first thing we did when we got in the car, when I got in the car, I was like, we need to pray. We need to pray. We prayed for the police officers, the firemen. We prayed for the EMTs. We prayed for him and his family. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we prayed for us, right? It was just, I, you know, it was full prayer. And, like, I hope this incident changed his life, you know, and maybe he could use that as a story the day that I was about to jump and, you know, my right. life switched. I don't know. I have no clue. Have you heard anything from the police or has anyone contacted you at all? No. So you have no idea, like... None. Did they grab him and handcuff him? Did they let no, him they go? No, they couldn't. No, so they t- they had already taken out the gurney. That's when I wanted to leave. Once okay. they got the gurney out, uh-huh. and they were following, you know, protocol right. for a fifty-one fifty. So they had taken out, um, taken out the gurney, and um, I didn't want because. So what happens with the fifty-one fifty? A lot of people don't know is you will be handcuffed, mm-hmm. which only scares the hell out of right. the person. Right? You do have to be handcuffed, and you're handcuffed to the gurney. And the reason why you're handcuffed is because, again, you pose you, po- you pose yourself yeah. as a threat to yourself, you know. And obviously, the police officers have to keep themselves safe and have to keep this individual right. safe. And if you're taking the only option that they have for themselves away, yeah, you bet your ass you're not going down with the fight. Mm-hmm. 
So I didn't want the kids to see how that was going to yeah. go down. There was no need for that. Right. I didn't need to see that. You know, I knew he was fine. There was well more than enough people. There was right. more than 15 people there to help this individual. Mm-hmm. I know looking for the right therapist can be challenging. However, feeling overwhelmed and disconnected is even harder. Life is filled with several twists and turns, some more severe than others. We do our best to handle them as they come and find ourselves at a loss, not knowing what to do or who to turn to. The clinicians here at Outside the Norm Counseling are here to help. We are here to assist you through this time of need. Together, we will identify your strengths and goals and teach you healthy coping skills. Together, we will develop a plan to help you live the life you want to live. Our team is compassionate, genuine, and we take a great deal of pride in providing an empathetic, non-judgmental approach to all of our clients. It's time. You've waited long enough, whether it be for you, your child, or if you're in need of a couple session. We are highly trained clinicians ready to guide you. Schedule an appointment now by calling 951 951- Three nine five three two eight eight. Again, that number is 951-395-3288. We're looking forward to meeting you and being a part of your journey. Are you seeing in your practice right now an increase of suicide attempts, suicidal thoughts, ideations? 100%. 100%. Right now. start? Girl, so we've... You know, we've always had kids. We've always had teens. Let's let's start mm-hmm. with teens. We've always had teens that were were diving into self harm, right? Yeah. However, after the pandemic, we have seen those numbers double, possibly triple, here in my practice. Oh my like God. literally, I am hiring staff. The staff that I'm hiring mm-hmm. are all staff that are all clinicians that specialize in teens. Self-harm, teens, depression, teens, anxiety, teens, suicidal. And that's they, all they work with. That like, ha- that is- that ha- they have to specialize oh in it. Gosh. If you're not specializing it, now we're posing a threat to this individual because yeah. we're not able to help them. Right. Right? And so it is very important, whoever, like, who I'm hiring on right now, that is their specialty because those are the clients we're getting the most. Don't get me wrong. We're getting, we're seeing a high level of addiction, right? High level of couples in divorce. Sure. I'm seeing a lot of that, but right now my primary concern is these teens, these young teens, and we're looking at kids that are in junior high, that are cutting, that are that have these passive suicidal thoughts, mm-hmm. that have intense suicidal thoughts, that have plans. You know, we get calls often. Deborah gets so many calls. Deborah's my assistant. Mm-hmm. Deborah gets so many calls of, I attempted my daughter attempted suicide yesterday. What do I do? My, my I found a note. You know, or my daughter's been talking about, you know, it'd be better if she wasn't here. You know, she won't get out. She won't get up. She won't play with her friends anymore. She doesn't even call them. You know, she's not engaging in all the activities she once was. She just stays in her room and she sleeps all day. And she says she's not hungry. She's not showering. Mm -hmm. All of those are symptoms of depression. Well, I was going to say, what can parents look out for? Yeah. you just listed. Yeah, all of that. Yeah, we're looking at we're looking at all of that. You know, is your kid not no longer engaging yeah. in hobbies? Is your kid talking about you know 
you know, life would be better if I wasn't here. Mm -hmm. They're not joking. If your kid is mentioning something like that, yeah, listen to that. Those, I call them breadcrumbs. Those are little breadcrumbs Mm -hmm. that your kid is leaving for somebody to pick up. And as parents, the last thing we're thinking of is our child is suicidal. Right. Right? Why would they be? I mean, they have both, you know, parents that care for them Mm -hmm. and love them. There's no way. But the reality is, yeah, it definitely is. There's something going on. What can parents do to help kids right now through this if they do think? I mean, obviously call, get help, get them in to see something, someone yeah. right away. So the biggest thing, the biggest thing I would do, the number one thing I would do, if you feel like your kid is suicidal, ask them. Ask mm-hmm. them. That's the number one thing. That's the first place I would start. Yeah. And I get a lot of grief from parents. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Why would I ask my kid if they're suicidal? Because of all the symptoms you just explained to me. And oftentimes I had a, I had a parent argue with me. They were so pissed off at me. So mad. And it was, this was at a hospital. So, so mad. They were like, how dare you? Cause I was doing a full on class about this. Mm-hmm. Right. And I had encouraged them to go ahead and ask their kid. And at the end of the class, you know, I have a bunch of parents that come and, you know, they'll ask me questions, right. You know, what other tips can they do? And yada, yada, yada. This one parent came in and were like, how dare you? How dare you encourage me to ask my kid if they're suicide? How dare you encourage all of us? Don't you find that dumb? And it was like, if your kid is suicidal and you ask them that, you will save their life because they will tell you. Right. They will tell you. Sure as shit, the next day, the mom came to me crying. Thank you. My kid was actually going to commit suicide that night. Oh, my. And she went home and asked. Oh, my God. Kid had full plan, full intent, and the means. So that's the first thing. The second thing, as a mom, as a wife, as as a father, automatically when our kids tell us stuff, we want to fix it. We want to automatically fix it. You know, I'm not playing, you know, Sally's not talking to me anymore. You know, well, you know what, Sally was crazy anyway. You know, why do you want to talk to her? I mean, I didn't like her to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. I I found myself talking shit about Sally, right? Right. (laughs) You know, (laughs) or, you know, oh my God, mom, you know, the group I was with, I'm no longer with them. And, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, I'm not a good friend, but I'm a great friend. And it's like, oh my God, of course you're a great friend. You have such a beautiful heart. Mm -hmm. That's fixing the problem. We don't want to fix because the minute you fix you are telling your child you are incapable of fixing it yourself, which don't get me wrong, they probably aren't. I mean, let's just be honest. However, your kid is sharing something with you. So when your kid does open up, mm-hmm. a great rule of thumb is ask your kid as they're opening up, is this something you want me to help you with or is this something you want to vent about? And I will tell you, most of the time, they just want to vent. Yeah. To be heard. Yes. Someone to listen to them. Because I have a feeling that that's something that leads to, over time and growing and growing, that leads to them wanting to kill themselves. Of like, no one listens to me. Nobody No one cares. And when you ask, so when we ask just as this individual, Mm -hmm. you know, what brought you here? My mom was kicking me out. Yeah. Nobody in my family loves me. They all think I'm crazy. And don't get me wrong, I can understand why mom might want to kick him out. I can understand why mom might think he's crazy. He's doing drugs and then he's behaving, you know, he's behaving irrationally, right? So I I get it. She's probably afraid. However, he needs help. He needs mental health help from a professional. Mm -hmm. 
Most of us don't think that he's on drugs. You know, all of these things are happening. We just want to go ahead and just get rid of the problem. Right. But there's so much more. There is. What are the rates right now? Do you know in America? Like, yeah, I want to make sure I pulled this up. So I was doing a training not too long ago on suicide, right? As a clinician, you have to have so many CEUs. And so CEUs are um, their credits we get for constantly updating, making sure we're up to date on what's going on. And so I was reading this article. It's called Suicide Assessment, Treatment, and Management. According to CDC, in 2016, nearly 45,000 Americans, ages 10 or older, 10 girl, 10, 10 or older died by suicide. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of mortality in the U.S. And it is one of three leading causes of death that are actually on the rise. Many people attempt suicide, but do not actually complete the attempt with estimates of 11 attempted suicides occurring per every suicide. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Let me read that again. Um, Most people attempt suicide, but do not actually complete the attempt with estimates of 11 attempted suicides occurring per every one suicide death. Oh my gosh. Yes. So in 2016, 1.3 million Americans reported attempting suicide. 2.8 million endorsed making a plan for suicide and 9.8 million seriously thought about suicide. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Among, so um, suicide is the second, you're going to freak out when you hear this. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among teenagers. Second? Second. What's the the first? Second. I wonder what the first is. Yeah, I know. Still. One out of every 53 high school students, okay, one out of every 53 high school students, which is 1.9%, reporting reported having made a suicide attempt that was serious enough to be treated by a doctor or nurse. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it says Foley and Kelly estimate that 50, and this was back in 2007, the numbers are way higher now. That 50 to 70% of mental health professionals have experienced at least one patient suicide. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's got to be way higher now. Oh, God, 100%. 100%. What can we do? What can we do for ourselves? Um, Because I know we're running short on time. What can we do individually and as, like, a parent? Because it sounds like, what did you say, like 9.8 million people? Yeah. Just think about it. Yeah. You know, so we know that it starts with the thought. Yeah. And then that leads to, you know, yes. the plan, the activity. The biggest thing we can do is, if you've ever thought, ever thought, you know what? It'd probably be good if I just didn't wake up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Go seek a therapist. Yep. I, I don't care. Go seek a therapist. I agree. You could go on psychologytoday.com. Go seek a therapist. If you are in California or Boise, Idaho, I'm licensed in both states. Come to Outside the Norm Counseling. We will help you. And if we can't help you, we'll we'll refer out, right? We will go ahead and give you access to whatever the hell you need. Psychologytoday.com. Psychologytoday.com. If you are... If you are out of the state, out of the state of California, yeah, go on psychologytoday.com. Even if you are in the state of California, anywhere you're at, go on psychologytoday.com. Go ahead, and it's really cool. It's really great um, website. You can go ahead and put some of your symptoms down. Look for okay. clinicians that are that are, that specialize in but that. But if they're in California, they can call. Girl, they can totally come here. They okay. can totally come here. Yeah, and virtual. 
we definitely do virtual. Okay. So the biggest thing is if you have that thought, yeah, seek professional help. If you notice that you don't have as much energy, if you notice you're stressed out, highly irritable, right? You're not engaging in hobbies. There are days where you could just sleep all day. Mm-hmm. All of those are signs that something is wrong. Something's not right. If you're struggling with your relationships, right? And there's just this passive thought. We call them passive SI, right? This passive suicidal thought. Contact. Tell, contact a professional. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. For parents, if you're starting to notice your kids are not behaving the way they used to, get a professional. Yeah. Get a professional. You can go take them to a doctor. Take them to their pediatrician. Let them know what's going on. You know, just so you can get, if medication is needed, they can do us an assessment. Right. But for the most part, you want somebody that specializes in anxiety and depression. Pediatricians don't specialize in this. Clinical clinicians do. Mm-hmm. So you want to go ahead and reach out for help. I can't tell you how many kids come in here. I have so many parents or so many teens that come in here. And it's like, you should have been here a year ago. Yeah. You should have been here a year ago. Yeah. Because your your suicidal thoughts are excessive. You're pretty severe in your depression. You can tell it's been. Oh, hell yeah. We're looking at a year's worth of depression. Oh, man. And don't get me wrong. I can still help you. Right. But it's like, damn, if your parents would have listened when you asked to see a therapist, if your parents would have listened. And most of the time we get scared as parents. Wait a minute. My kid needs therapy. I just need to love them more. I just need to get, you know, I need to get them distracted. No, you need to get them to a therapist. If they're asking, take them, Mm -hmm. take them immediately. Yeah, there's so many times where my daughters will share something with me or they tell me, yeah. I'm, I'm always like, and I probably say it out loud to them and I shouldn't, but I'm always like, where's the parent? Yeah. Does their mom know this? Yes. And they're usually like, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't think so, mom. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh God, parents, talk to your kids. Yeah. Don't let the phone be the babysitter. Yes. Oh, yes. oh my God, Veronica, this was so helpful, eye-opening um, you're just a great storyteller too. Like seriously, but that's how we communicate. And yeah. people listen through a good story. And again, not a fun topic. No, you know, this no, is, this is not covered in glitter and shiny no, sprinkles no, no, no. and sparkles and cupcakes. Like this no. is real stuff that needs to be talked about and discussed. Definitely. You know, and I just think with things on the rise, the more people can say, Hey, you know what? I listened to this one podcast Maybe you should take a listen to it. Yeah. You know, for their child or for themselves or they, they need resources to be able to pass on to people. And I think we accomplished that today. And I, that was the goal. Absolutely. So I'm so grateful that you were able and willing to share this story and how you felt and how you worked through it. Because we don't get to hear that side. No, no. We hear no. a lot of police officers. I've heard a lot of cops, you know. Yeah, of course. With my family tell the story and how it affected them. But like. The inside and you and the connection and what was really happening and oh, it, it was so helpful. I can't yeah. thank you enough for doing this. No, let me take course. over your podcast. Yeah, duh. <laughs> One thing I also want to definitely mention is for the wives or for the husbands of first responders, right? Yes. Definitely look out for them because I'm going to tell you right now they do have a high suicide rate. Mm-hmm. They do, and so your your partner struggles with with seeing so much and it's not something they might tell you, Oh, you know, I'm totally numb to it. That's a lie. Nobody can be numb to it. Your brain isn't, your brain doesn't, doesn't function that way. No brain can go out and tolerate that much stress and not have symptoms Mm -hmm. or be even, or, or even have, you know, PTSD. There's, there's absolutely no way it's impossible. 
So make sure you're talking to them. Check on them when they come home. How are they doing? You know, obviously, more than likely, they're not going to want to tell you anything, you know, because they want to protect you. But just know that they're doing that out of protection. And, I mean, I can't tell you. I I see a whole lot of firefighters here in my practice Mm -hmm. right now. And all of them, all they want, all of them have said, all they want is to be held. And I know that sounds crazy because you have these, like, badass first responders, right? And... Every single one of them, I shit you not, all of them have wanted to be held. That's it. Just hold me. Just hug me. That's it. I don't require a lot. Right. Because of the chaos that they experience, and they need that. They need that security. Definitely. That's, I hope everyone goes home and hugs their <laughs> Right? Their spouse, hug your their, loved one. Yes. Hug your loved one. Let them know you love them. You don't have to go crazy, but just check on them. Yes. If you know something's not right, check on them. Ask them. Ask your family member, are you suicidal? They will tell you. They will tell you. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I often hear from parents is, no, all of a sudden they just snapped out of it. And they were good. No, homie. Yeah. Nah, that's, they snapped out of it because they already made the decision that they were going to follow through with it. And so now they're going to give away items. Right. And they're going, it, it's just so closer. It's so much closer to actually happening. Right. So if you're in that snapped out of it phase, uh-uh. Get help immediately. Yeah. Get help immediately. Uh, and we have a number too, the suicide um, hotline number. Yes, definitely. Do you want to give that out? I sure do. It's 1-800-273-TALK. Yes. So again, 1-800-273-TALK. We're going to put this in the show notes as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. All the information, you guys. Um, because I always end my episodes with saying stay safe, stay healthy. And we want that. We really do want that. We want everyone to stay safe. And that just means sometimes mentally and emotionally protecting 100%. ourselves and others that we love um, and stay healthy. Well, I just want you guys to all eat chicken. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> but it's the more you move too um, and eat better and the activity that's going to help you as well. Absolutely. You know? So, well, thank you again for coming on. Yeah. Thank you this, so much for doing this. This is great. You guys, you know us. We'll be together again soon. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Many women lose their own identity in the shadow of being a mom and a wife. We are a community of women who support each other. We leave perfectionism behind to become empowered and unapologetic. I want to personally invite you to join our girl gang. It's a free Facebook community for women just like you. Go to www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash empowered and unapologetic. See you there. What's up, ladies? Just want to let you guys know that your ratings and reviews for this podcast are greatly appreciated. If you love this podcast, please go to iTunes right now, write a review, rate the episode, and subscribe. Don't forget to share it with your friends. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. 
If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there. I know. I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol, we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? That's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020, and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect deep down that glass or three of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together, all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today. Oh, hey, it's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.